Hello, it's me, Milo. And before we kick off this episode with special guest Pierre Novelli, I've got a little announcement to make, which is that we have now released the second episode in our mini-series watching and reviewing all of the Twilight films with entirely Australian guests. Uh, episode one, the first Twilight movie we did with uh, Tom Walker and Demi Lardner, and episode two, which is just out now, um, is with Andrew Law and Ben McClay from Bunta Vista, which was uh, a lot of fun. Um, so there's going to be a link to that in the show notes. Um, and yeah, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that and you get all sorts of other bonus content as well. Bonus episode every fortnight, uh, movie corners once a month and the Twilight miniseries. Um, otherwise, enjoy this episode with Piano Valley. Welcome to yet another episode of Masters of Our Domain, a podcast which is allegedly about Seinfeld. I'm Milo Edwards, someone who's never seen Seinfeld, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is all she ever says. And this week we're joined by a very special guest expert. Uh, it's a comedian Pierre Novelli. How are you doing? Hello. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very under TV show Seinfelded, but I, I consider myself an expert in interviews with Seinfeld. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. What what th- what interviews are we talking? I don't think he doesn't actually do that many, and I don't think there's an interview with Seinfeld that I haven't watched. Okay. All or right. read or, or or whatever. Because I, don't I think find I've him watched so, any. He's such an odd man in such a not odd way. Um, the comedian. Mm. Um, do you know the comedian Sarah Barron? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She and I are kind of we'll send each other when they, when a new crumb. Of 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 real life Seinfeld appears in the wild. We'll we'll send it to each other. Oh, okay. What's your favorite crumb? I like his obsession with well his 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 decades long practice of um of oh what's it called transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What what makes it transcendental? I think it's the the mantra it in your teeth. fuck (laughs) fuck you very nice yeah starting as we mean to go on on this show yeah Yeah. you change the gender of your teeth and that's the nature (laughs) of the meditation (laughs) yeah I just I like this there's a clip on YouTube of him doing a speech about it to like the transcendental society or something Mm. and in uh, and obviously as another fellow practitioner David Lynch is just in the audience nodding which I find really funny oh that does sound like a very Lynchian event, to be honest. Do you think Lynch got yeah. into it just because he enjoyed the sort of vibes of the events? <laughs> like, yeah, well, this is, I, I keep thinking, like, maybe I should give it a go because those are two men who have done very well for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's down to the, to the fucking mantra. You maybe, know? yeah. Um, I mean, is it, do they do it to, like, manifest or do they do it to, like, It's not manifesting, like, it's... It's it's like to chill out. Yeah, you you start twenty minutes of the start and the end of the day, um, and oh. you just I, I what was it? And you say your mantra, and you you have to get your mantra given to you by like a quali- a qualified person, whoever that is. And <laughs> uh-huh. you've had some right cowboys in here. Look, this yeah. mantra is a load of nonsense. That's it. Well, well, so the ma- mantra has to come from like a book of Sanskrit phrases, but it, you're not supposed uh-huh. to know what it means. It's supposed to be gibberish because it makes uh, you makes okay. your mind not right, think. Okay. Look, this match makes perfect sense. Yeah. You can't have that. <laughs> Anyone can understand that. 
It's a recognisably Indo-European word. Yeah. That's all in Finnish, mate. Transcendental. That would be good. Actually. That would gu- work better. Get, get your guru coming in. No, that's a big job. Yeah. Your guru, your guru is just a Finnish guy, so he's just like uh, <laughs> ice skating naked, drinking vodka. <laughs> yeah, that is what the Finns do. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but the, yeah, so I, I don't, I haven't watched a lot of Seinfeld at all, but I'm very interested mm. in him, and I'm very interested in if, if he'll, if he's ever gonna, like I've watched comedian with Orny Adams and Seinfeld, you know, where they follow him around. That's a very good film. Oh, okay, I don't think documentary film. Basically, well, I thought this was something we should see, but we have it's really yeah. good. Could be some bonus content. Yeah. yeah, it's really really good. So basically, they it, it's Jerry Seinfeld because he he did his like all his material like his whole act he put mm. on a on a DVD or a video or whatever in the late nineties early noughties, mm. um, and that's like twenty five years or whatever worth of comedy. Um, and then he started again, and the documentary follows him like doing five minutes and like kind of he hadn't gone back to comedy clubs for like a few years. And so it's him starting again. And then they pick this fucking guy called Orny Adams <laughs> as like a rising star at the time. Cause he's and Orny is contest. his name, not an epithet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's a, f- if you're Orny. Yeah. Yeah. well, this is the thing. He's a, he's a fucking knob. Um, <laughs> like he's such an unsympathetic character and they kind of track him trying to break it in and, as Seinfeld is sort of coming back down to the clubs and then they have com- a very funny conversation in a club where Seinfeld looks at him like, he says something about what it means to be a stand-up or whatever, or he says something about his anxieties about his career and Seinfeld looks at him like he's a fucking dog. It's very funny. <laughs> I really recommend it. Um, You've never worn a puffy shirt in your life. <laughs> you don't know what this job's about. You haven't even got to the puffy shirt episode. Have you been watching ahead? You've never even been on an airplane. <laughs> They're all puffy. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, some they, are puffier than there others. There is an episode about where he wears like a puffy shirt, like a pirate. Oh, okay. Ooh. So there's a running bit we have on this podcast, which is that I'm a sort of Seinfeld savant, yeah. where mm. I'm able to predict Seinfeld plot lines. Yes, yeah. it's extraordinary. Like yeah. every like he like pretty much once an episode he says yeah they should do a storyline about that and it's like yeah yeah they they do do you they think do. um do you think <laughs> Seinfeld is so formative in comedy that you Milo are like one of those people who thinks that he's predicted global events because he was half asleep and he heard the news on the radio at six in the morning ah uh, yeah maybe and then for the rest of the day you sort of think I knew there would be an announcement about the whatever <laughs> well and we you talk have that about this feeling. A lot about how there's like a there's Seinfeld is so parodied that sometimes deep in a forgotten episode of Seinfeld you find the origin of some bit that's now yes. like transformed beyond <laughs> all imagination to the point where sort of no one even remembers it's from Seinfeld anymore. Yes. Um, yeah. Like like, like like my analogy about Hamlet. Yeah, we stumbled <laughs> on airplane food the other day. Yeah. Did you an actual, an actual in the wild airplane food? It's, yeah. it's like it's like when you watch um, The Shining and they mention an Indian burial ground. Is, it, is that ah, like the first? Is that the, the originator? Yeah, is it's it? one of the earliest ever. The idea of a haunted Indian burial ground is a Stephen, very much a Stephen King popularized thing. I don't think it's the first thing because oh, I'm pretty like, sure that they were always pretty yeah, spooky. Yeah, sure. But mm. yeah, I mean, Stephen King also uses it in Pet Cemetery, of course. I did. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, so as well as it being an animal burial ground, is also. <laughs> It's like the fact that it was already a cemetery isn't enough. There has to yeah. be like a second sub cemetery. Look, we're talking double, double cemetery. 
I don't want to alarm you, but we're talking double cemetery yeah. here. Paranormal investigator being like, my God, there's a whole other cemetery under here. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling out like a Geiger counter and being like, there's too much spook. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to put on the suit. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I, I, it's, he's the originator of so much. I mean, mm. I've watched, I watched his stand up special from the late 90s or whatever, where it's called I'm Telling You for the Last Time. And it's, it's basically his act, you know, that, that Seinfeld mm. thing where he has, he's got like two hours of material and he just tinkers with it for like 15 years. Mm. It's the opposite uh, okay, of the Edinburgh yeah. Fringe model. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's no bad thing. And that's mm. no bad thing. And it's a very good special, but it's very 90s. And there is a bit mm. about uh, air, airplane peanuts being hard to open, which is, <laughs> which is good. I mean, they are hard to open. You can't argue with it's that. It's a good bit. It's a can't good bit. Can't argue with that as a bit. There's, there's another thing we're always saying on here, which is so many of Seinfeld's bits are so... In- because he refuses to understand that there are people in the world who aren't stand-up comedians, or he, like, doesn't wish to know about them. So all of his bits are so deeply grounded in the life of a stand-up comedian that he's always like, I don't know, what do people do? They go- Well, they go on aeroplanes all the time. I get on four aeroplanes a week, so they're probably they're really interested in that. <laughs> Everyone's constantly saying, what's going on on these aeroplanes? Oh, I mean, if, if, if I could just write routines about what it's like to have to constantly take trains. Yeah. Trains of between one and four hours length, then, you know, that would be great. But no one has a, no one else does that. What do you do on a train for an hour? It's too, it's not long enough to go to sleep. It's a bit too long to like, just look out the window. Yeah. Do you want to mm. take a book just for an hour? Mm. Yeah. Wanking is yeah. frowned upon. It is frowned upon, but mm. Especially you know. in the quiet coach. But lots of things are frowned upon. Doesn't mean that you don't that you don't do it. Yeah, yeah. it's for cowards. Wanking yeah. is frowned upon. <laughs> Look, well-behaved women rarely make history. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was about. Just like taking a fucking shit on the train seat. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. just saying to the conductor, "What are you going to do?" That is the origin of that phrase. Yeah. All right. So yeah. we open. Yeah, we d- yeah. So we we're talking about Seinfeld season four, episode seven, the Bubble Boy. Oh man, I love this episode. It is fun. Um, I so it opens it. with it opens with Jerry doing a bit, uh, where he's talking Which about. You so often do. Okay, so this rarely for a Seinfeld bit. This was actually something I could relate to, Al- albeit the, the sort of the technology involved is a bit outdated. But he's talking about ringing someone up and hoping to get the answering machine because you don't want to actually speak to them. You just want them to think that you called mm. so that it doesn't seem like you didn't call. Uh, and yeah, I think about this all the time. I'm ringing someone because I like said that I would, but I'm also like, please don't fucking pick up. I, what I liked was him saying, I actually, I actually, I, I, I almost did like a small gasp of recognition because his thing where he says, we, we all, none of us are willing to like stop this endless loop of, of leaving each other answering machine messages even though we don't want to speak because we want to come home to that little red light flashing that says I'm popular. People want to talk to me. Mm. And that's just like all social media notifications are the little red circles, you know, like uh, yeah. to notification your- bait. That's what it is. Yeah. And like, it's I don't exactly want to, the I don't same want to speak thing. to anyone, but I do want, I do want the notifications. So Blank mirror. I mean, he might as well be describing the sort of Twitter serotonin rush and the fact that like mm. uh, the little notifications are always like little red circles. Cause it's like, Berries for your ape brain, you know, little treats. <laughs> Exciting. Berries for the circus ape in your mind. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I just thought, oh my God, if only 
if you, I would, I would rather watch Jerry Seinfeld repurpose his stuff for now. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Like, like putting an i, like, like when you see an iPhone charging port in the back of a seat on an old train, you're like, whoa. You're like, wow, they've they've updated this in this one way. Yeah, the, the last. They never work though. No, but that's. No, I, like, I think they put them in like mm. yeah, more eight brain stuff. They put them in as like kind of dummy things to kind of keep you entertained. And it's like, I'm going like, to be working? able to give your phone hmm. a drink. <laughs> and then you just like sit there, unplugging it, plugging it in, unplugging it, plugging it in, turning the, turning the cable around, to see if yeah. you've like just like inserted yeah. it the wrong way around. I, I really love like... That's, that's taking up a good 15 minutes on an hour long train journey. There was yeah. a particularly interesting phase, I think, in the sort of mid 2000s where it was a really rapid phase of technological transition to things which have now become quite stable from like really outdated stuff from the 90s. And there were so many things that were like very briefly a thing, like the old iPod and iPhone charging system yes. with the, like, the wide... and the so really when long you, one. Yeah, and so when you see a car from like 2009 that has like an iPod dock in it, and you're mm. like, yeah, this is like this is like weirdly higher tech than a car from like 2005 that just has the headphone jack, but is somehow more outdated at the same time. Mm. It's like every single treadmill at my gym. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, still, it's really yeah, common they do at the still gym. Ha- they do still have the little the mm-hmm. the, 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 <laughs> the, the gym is for the old school types. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, ah, still rocking that iPod Nano, are you, my friend? That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I still have an iPod, which I occasionally use. Fair play. Um, what for? Sorry, there's someone at the door. One sec. Sorry about that. I was really hoping that that would be like, you've been served. Like, they tricked you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all my libel cases like finally the, coming the, the, to like The best way to serve Milo with papers is just to mispronounce his name because because he would so hate it. He'd just be like, it's Milo, all right? It's pronounced <laughs> Milo. My name is Milo. Oh, for the fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. <laughs> Milo. Brilliant. Thank you very much. No, no worries at all. Thank you. I've forgotten that our builder ordered it, which is why I forgot. No worries. Cheers. Thank you. I still use my iPod because it has music on it from my old computer, which is not all available on Spotify. Mm. Really? Yeah. How niche is this music? I don't necessarily need to discuss that. Oh, like there are some, there are some mashups that I used to run to. Oh, okay. uh, okay. a lot of uh, there are some mashups. There may be a what, lot of racist sea shanties. Yeah, uh, yeah, some yeah. racist sea shanties. Um, <laughs> The idea of a racist sea shanty is very funny. I'm sure there is There's no one around, but you're like, you know who I hate? These people. They're not here right now because we're at sea, but if we were on land, there'd probably be too many of them, in my opinion. Yeah, so I've got got some of those. I may may or may not have one or two of those kind of musicalised version of various lines from Game of Thrones. Trying to row in time with a slur about the poles, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Never heard the original drug remix. Yeah, it's not. It's oh god! It's even worse. It's a kind of synth electro pop remix. Um, Very nice. There's like mm. there's there's one called Dragon's Daughter. There's one called Son of Fire, and they're very good to they're very good to exercise to. Just as long as no one ever finds out mm. that you have them. The musical career of Dragon's Daughter was a classic bit of nepotism, really. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, there we uh, go. Everyone, everyone found out just because your father was a dragon. Found out during lockdown, like when like the dragon's daughter went back to her cave, and they were just like, "What the fuck? You, you're going around pretending that you're like a kind of 
You're a kind of working yeah. class queen who's just. Yeah, she was an adopted daughter, completely human, so no one had worked it out. Just worked your way <laughs> Her up. Her father was a well known dragon. The dragon's daughter is not the daughter of a literal dragon. Oh, what? Her father is, was nicknamed the dragon, I, th- I think. I see. I think they're the dragon house. The house of. Is that the genre of music? Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> dragon, what, dragon house, house yeah, it's yeah. dragon house, yeah, that's right. House music with a p- periodic like bestial shrieking, yeah, and a little like a, a sort of medieval zither, mm. yeah. yeah, and really fast Japanese guitar. Why fast yes. Japanese guitar? Dragon Force. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that that was a musical genre entirely without merit. Okay, Oof, so it's, we, it's a lot to listen to. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, we, like, so, what so if I could play this guitar it. really fast? And no one ever asked, but should you? Yeah. Well, I've mm. successfully uh, told on myself again. Yeah. Yet I feel again. like, uh, actually, on the subject of musical genres, dubstep really fits into that, uh, the iPod charging dock of music. Yeah, which was yeah, yeah. Inexplicably had a four-year run where it was everywhere, and then suddenly people were like, wait, this is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second. I'd, no I'd one say, checked. like, from around the time of the financial crash till mm. 2012... Yeah, about there. Yeah, so about four years, oh eight to twelve, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's the kind of contemporary dark ages. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Not because, Unfortunately, there but are not too be- many yeah, sources. Not because there yeah. aren't any sources, because it really was just everything went dark. Yeah, we need to destroy all records of that period, British Empire style, dumping them <laughs> off a ship. Yeah, singing a racist like, sea shanty. Yeah, like what? Like what even happened in those years? Like, like everyone was like watching Glee all the time. Ah, oh no, that's don't everyone remind me of that. Everyone was watching Glee and listening to dubstep. That's yeah. what happened in those years. Clegmania. Clegmania, mm. yeah, it right was in the also of it. Nick right, Clegg stuck Clegg right there in the middle. The dubstep politician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Glee politician. Uh, I wob 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 Nick Clegg. Glee was such a surprisingly cursed program. Oh, it really was. They, they lost a lawsuit against the comedy club in the UK. Who did oh, Glee? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, because, because of the Glee club? Yeah, because huh. the, the comedy club had, and has had the name for longer and it was pretty much an open and shut case. But Ah, okay. But, but, but isn't isn't no, like the concept of a Glee, the Glee club, club a really that's, old that's American That's a really thing. old thing that they have in American high schools. Yeah, I mean, like in the same way that it's not illegal for you to be called Brian McDonald, but if you want to open a burger restaurant and use some I golden see. arches shaped yeah. like an M, then... And then call it Brian's. But <laughs> considering it- that the TV show... <laughs> considering the TV show was... Based on the concept of a Glee Club, which is old, which is an older concept than the the Glee Club. Yeah, which would be fine if they weren't yeah. trying to trademark it and fuck with the mm. Glee Club. Ah, I see. I'm I see. I'm yeah. Brian McDonald, and this is my sworn enemy, the Brian Burglar. <laughs> yeah. Brian McDonald, the inventor of Burger King. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's he had to get around copyright. It's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not using my last name. I am the king of the burgers. That's right. That's what I'm going to call my restaurant. King of the burgers. And then just someone leans over. Have you thought about Burger King? (laughs) They did that in Australia. There was already a Burger King. And so a Burger King in Australia is called Hungry Jack's. Oh. Oh. That's very Australian. That is. That makes it sound more sordid. It does, yeah. Oh, you're looking for a burger, are you? Probably go down a hungry Jacks. Don't get on the wrong side of him, though. Yeah. He'll he'll have your foot off. He's still pissed off about that McDonald thing. (laughs) 
Hungry Jack. The burgers are made from people who angered Hungry Jack. The only man in Australia who could be bothered to open a restaurant and people assume it's, I guess he was just hungrier than everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Classic Hungry Jack. He wanted it Making food. Yeah. He's built different. When I'm hungry, I just go to the supermarket. Yeah. Uh, Hungry Jack. No, yeah, to come up with his own chain of burger restaurants. And, And chicken salt fries. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah, chicken flavored yeah. salt, and it's amazing. Mm. Yeah, I've been I've been told about the chicken salt. I think it sounds horrible. Personally. It's it's I think it's important with a capital it's a, I. It's an important an important, it's an important salt. salt. Yeah. Okay. yeah, one of these important salts. Yeah, I have to go down the chicken mine. What would you yeah. say the? <laughs> what would you say the most the important long day salt in the chicken are? salt mine? <laughs> Is it chickens that work there or like? Chickens that are in the walls of the of the mine. Could it be both? Could it be a really perverse out where we make the chickens mine their own ancestors, peck each other out? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, chickens are very uh, very confrontational. So. Yeah, they're not nice. They'll no. peck each other. They don't yeah, care. fuck them. They deserve to be eaten, they'll, in my opinion. They'll peck each other for a quick buck. It's it, it, look. The food chain Good is fun. a moral hierarchy. <laughs> a panther very. is better than a vole. It just is. Mm. Science. Okay. <laughs> what what would you say the most important salts are? I don't know actually. I've never really given much thought to this. Sodium chloride, top of the top of the list. Top top of the Pretty list. Pretty good one. Yeah. Pretty standard. I like an Epsom salt myself. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Good for horses, that one. Yep. Um That's what you bathe horses in if they've got uh, achy right. legs. Yeah, as they right? often do after running. Uh, no, no, no. Epsom salts are Epsom salts are. I think they, I think they were discovered in Epsom, but they're kind of like a magnesium salt, and you put it in your bath, and it makes your muscles de-ache. Does that work? Yeah, genuinely, I'm it really s- does. I'm so skeptical. No, it honestly, it properly, properly does. It's like it, well, it's like they're just like mineral salts. So it's like go, it's like uh, being at a spa. Ah, oh, come on, Pierre, you never had a salty ass. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'll tell you this for a kickoff. Have either of you ever, ever swum in the Dead Sea? No. no. I've swum in um I've I've gone into health giving waters. I've done mm. I've done that, but, <laughs> but I'm, I, was, I had a skeptical <laughs> I had a skeptical face on the whole time, you know. <laughs> Just so you know. I don't think this You're is gonna work. Of, I don't think this the woman from the meme with the, like, the trigonometry in front yeah. of you. Know, yeah. It just feels too much like a potion to be true. You know, it feels too mm. much like, well, if you soak in this potion, I want it to be true with all my heart. Well, I'll, 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 I'll believe anything you tell me to soak in a potion. I'll soak in a potion. I'll probably think it works, but that's fine. But what Miss they potions don't, potions over here. What they don't, yeah, that's right. That's my, that's my name. That's my full name. Yeah. BB potions. That's what they call me. Mm. Um, what they don't tell you before you swim in the Dead Sea is that salt is that water, which is completely like viscous with various different kinds of salt. Um, like they tell you, like if you have like kind of any kind of open cuts or like bruises or anything to like put kind of Vaseline on them. What they don't tell you is that salts of this potency, if they go anywhere near some more like delicate tissue, it hurts like nothing you would like nothing you could ever possibly believe. Salts of this potency. Yeah. Mm. What? That's right. That's some potent so salts. So you get you get dead sea salt up your vagina, which you yeah. do if you're going and swimming in the sea. It. 
you cannot believe how much this hurts and no one tells you this like no one like you get you get given all of this information before you go in the dead sea and no one says oh and by the way mm. by the way this is going to feel like you're being like whacked in the vagina with a red hot poker but why but does pussy it doesn't hurt? age now sorry I said, but Phoebe's pussy doesn't age now. Well, that was always true. <laughs> <laughs> it ages in reverse. It, like, it's, be- like, it's because it's like because it's like delicate, sensitive tissue. If you put salt on it, it re- it like it, mm. it gets sore. But if it's like really, really, really salty, as the water of the Dead Sea is, it's a bunch of Australians just... throwing chickens in the Dead Sea. <laughs> right, Lance, I've got an idea. <laughs> but I was, like... let's see how hungry you are now, Jack. <laughs> but what about like? Hungry Jack's what I call my pussy. Hungry Jack's pussy salt. <laughs> that exists somewhere. Is I'm your sure pussy too wet? Well, Hungry I, Jack's pussy salt. Why not dry it out? I wonder though. Like, does it hurt? Like, if it gets inside a guy's foreskin, is he leaping out the Dead Sea? See that that was not clear. As mm. I went, I, I went with my ex. He said he was fine. Like that's hmm. that's the origin of circumcision is that <laughs> to get through the Dead Sea you just shriveled off. skin yeah. was too much of an impediment. Yeah, maybe. That's, well, that's how um, that's how the parting of the Red Sea worked. He did it with his penis. I don't know what that meant. I don't, I'm so you know what. But for you a second, what? you know, because sometimes you flip between doing a bit and then coming out with a really niche but actually true fact that no one believes. For a second there, I thought <laughs> that a, there was, was something second, to do with kind. the circumcision ritual no, and you know, parting you know the what? Dead Sea. It was je- like well, oh, Red so sea. like so like the it's two halves of the Red Sea, so you have to kind of like cleave them as Moses did. Is that what you mean? Because like. I'm gonna. That's what uh, I meant. I don't know. That, that's what, I don't know what I meant. I was trying I to pause what maybe you see, meant. See, what actually happened there was I could is that I didn't remember until I started saying it that Moses parted the Red Sea and not the Dead Sea. So yes. that's mm. so that's what occurred there, and I thought that I might be allowed to get away mm. with it, but um, but I wasn't. No. No. So Jerry and the girl from the previous episode are at his apartment. This is the girl with the annoying laugh, mm-hmm. Naomi from the restaurant. Um. And uh, she's doing an annoying laugh. And then she's like, do you want to watch Naked Gun? I hear it's very funny. And then Jerry's like, no. And then uh, she says, but you seem like such a happy, like, go lucky guy. And he's like, no, I'm not happy. I'm not lucky and I don't go. It's very unperceptive of her. <laughs> yeah. And I, do, I did, I did, I did, I did uh, sympathize with Jerry here. I'm not happy. I'm not lucky and I don't go. <laughs> I, I think it's quite realistic to have someone presume that because Jerry's mm. a stand-up that he's uh, happy-go-lucky because that is often how the yeah. public... It's obviously com- complete horseshit, but it's definitely how a lot of the public would think. Yeah, and it's not only untrue, but it's like the opposite of true. And mm. yet it's it's something that you <laughs> encounter all the time. It's not not true in a sense of like it's neither true or untrue. It's just kind of not irrelevant. It's like it's directly and demonstrably false. <laughs> Yeah, it's that people confuse a willingness not to be offended or upset by basic, mm. like swearing or discussion of taboo things, with being an incredibly relaxed person. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. But then again, I suppose if you know that, it's because you know a lot of comedians and know how unrelaxed they are, and then that's as much mm. of a cell phone as anything else. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, and I think also, I I definitely encounter this a lot, and I suspect that you do, Pierre, as someone who is relatively like sociable and enjoyable to socialize in the company of. The people are like, ah, oh, hanging out with all those other comedians must be great if they're as entertaining as you are. And it's like, no, never do that. Never, <laughs> never meet any other. If your, com- if your impression of comedians has been formed by you enjoying this conversation just now, I would recommend <laughs> never meeting another one. Yeah, or when there's like four of you or five of you in one mm. big flat for a month at the Edinburgh Fringe, and people are like, "Well, I must be chuckles from noon till night," and you're just like, "No, it's no incredibly it's, stressful environment." It, it, it makes me think that possibly I died on the train up here and I'm in hell. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit like uh, the bit in the the bit in the film Sleepers where he's describing their time in the like youth correctional institution. <laughs> yeah. and he's going, even the tough ones, you could hear them crying themselves to sleep at night. <laughs> Milo has just seen the film Sleepers. That's right, <laughs> from it's the good. year 1996. Yeah. That's right. I'm catching up on the 90s. Catching yeah. up on your cultural and your cultural. To be fair, signifier. I was three when it came out, so I wasn't. It wasn't like I was about well, better, <laughs> but <laughs> better pretty embarrassing for three-year-old Milo who's not got his finger on the pulse of harrowing <laughs> dramas about child sexual abuse. The yeah, um, that's right. Mm. The other thing with comedians' sense of humor with each other is that it's inevitably like yeah. The kind of booze that only people who've had too many types of different weird boozes drink and enjoy. Like, I, I've, I, like, if you if you know people like who are like chartres, super, yeah, or just people who are so into something that that by the time that they're a professional and they've done it for years and years and years and years, the kind of mm. stuff that they're into is just not for most people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like there are definitely comedians who are only liked by other comedians. And you yeah, can all, and, or, and the, or, or the nation's o- overthinkers or, or yeah. whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely gotten to the... I, I feel like my taste in comedy is sort of like that, except that my case in comedy has gotten really stupid. Mm. Like, now the only stuff I find funny is, like, in- incredibly moronic. Like, <laughs> where, like, yeah. I'll, I will go occasionally to an open mic and be the only one laughing at someone <laughs> who even they don't think what they're doing is funny. Yeah. And I'm just at the back, like, weeping. It's almost like, it takes on this almost, like, Kaufman-esque, like, this stand-up is so bad that it's incredible. There's a lot of people out there who, if they were doing what they were doing as a choice, they'd be like Steve Coogan, Alan Partridge levels, but mm. yeah. so close. That reminds me, mm. Milo, that I saw a really good video of um, this family trying to persuade their like very large like sled dog to get in the bath so they could wash it, and it's very, very funny. I think you, I yeah. think you might like it. And if it. that dog was doing it deliberately, it would be a comedy genius. But as it's not, it is just a dog. It is doing it true. deliberately. No, it is doing it deliberately. Yeah, mm. it is. Yeah, and the whole thing takes place on an Indian burial ground. Um, as then Jerry says to her, uh, "The Holocaust is on TV," which I guess is a documentary. Um, I don't even I don't think her laugh is that annoying. It's it's bad. It's like, she it's... sounds like Boise. Mm. Who? From Only Fools and Horses. I, I've never seen Only Fools and Horses. It's like, yeah. Um, it's not it. an ideal laugh. No, it's but not. it's like, it's not It's not a deal breaker of bad laugh. Well, we said this last time. Yeah. If your friend laughed like that, it would be fine. But if it's someone that you've got to have sex with afterwards, that's more of a challenge. Yeah, but again, they're not laughing during sex. How do you know that? <laughs> Maybe Jerry's doing some classic bit. Yeah. What's the deal with pussy? <laughs> That's what he called. That's what he calls vaginas. Classic bits. <laughs> that would be more partridge. Yeah. Oh, some classic, classic bits. bits. 
Uh, yeah, the, um, I don't. You know, I don't think it's that bad. I think that I think that he's try. I think he's trying to think of a reason that he just isn't that into her. I think that's what it is. I think that for me, the style of a bad laugh is less mm. important than the sheer volume of some people's laugh. Mm. Mm. Sometimes yeah, it's so like so close to the laughter of the sort of the, the, the damned. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sort of much. Well, Whereas, as the as the owner of a of a cackle, I I have to defend the the, the cacklers. Of I'd say well. you're more you of a sniggerer. You don't. You don't, <laughs> you don't cackle right there. You don't cackle every time, though, right? No, not every time. Like it, 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 mm. it I've got to find something really funny before. I'm, and also, before when I'm Phoebe cackling. finds something really, really funny, she doesn't laugh at all. She just kind of like holds it in. Like her lips go tight, and you just see her kind of like shaking a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's that. That's why. It's because I find it particularly funny. (laughs) (laughs) But then, like, I guess if your laugh is too consistent, right, that's a different kind Mm. of badness because it feels fake. It feels like you're just making a big noise to imitate laughter despite not thinking it. And that's also agonizing. Oh, God, it's ADC guy. Do you remember? I think it was one particular guy who used to hang out in that theater bar who was a thesp who used to, like, laugh extreme he had like an extremely loud guffaw which was like clearly a stage guffaw where we go like ha ha and you would hear it from the other side of the bar all actors do this yeah it's but you could go like two seconds him out with, you could play me a lineup of different people's laughs but do you mean the guy who used to come see shows and do that no i think he was like an adc guy who would like hang out in the bar like an actor of some kind and he would like be like you would just there would be like a conversation going on at the table he was at and then he would laugh at something and from the other side of the bar, you would just hear like this kind of like, ha, 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 ha. And then like everyone's heads would just turn. And then you would remember that like you couldn't be caught looking at this man. <laughs> I don't know if I remember this. Oh, okay. Well, I remember there was a guy who used to come see shows, like a local guy who had like a kind of crazy Brian Blessed laugh. But that yeah. was like, a, he was like a guy who lived in the town. So mm. you could never accuse Brian Blessed of fake laughing. No. He, no. Me- he means every boom. He does. He does. No one's ever laughed more real than that guy. I, I think if someone's laugh bothers you that much, you should just break up with them. I don't think like I think that if it's enough of a big deal, then you're a little bit you're a little bit of a of a, of a fussy fussy boy. Oh, he's, he's a picky he's a picky he's a listener. Bit, a little bit of a fussy boy. Um, anyway, yeah. so Jerry plays an answer phone message from George, who's asking if he's all set for this weekend away they're going on. And then asked if he's bringing if he's bringing Naomi, uh, who Jerry is apparently described as having a laugh like Elmer Fudd on a juicer. I, I find this to be like a bit, it's a bit overdone imagery wise. Mm. Quite nineties. They're still having fun with similes in the nineties. Um, yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that they the wrote that and and then then mm. asked her to do a laugh that seemed like the joke they wrote, or do you think they said do an annoying laugh and then wrote the joke about the laugh? Interesting. I think the I think the annoying laugh came first, and then they kind of kicked some kicked some ideas around. Mm. There's nothing That's wrong with a simile. Shoot. Similes are good. But I but I do like Pierre's conspiracy yeah. theory version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as good as any other manner mm. of uh, yeah. styling. We've brought in this <laughs> primary school teacher to the writers' room to help you to construct <laughs> some similes. Uh, yeah, I th- I I think that uh, Elmer Fudd sitting on a juicer is a funny image. Yeah. Is he sitting on the juicer in the hope funny. that it's going to make him come like a housewife sitting on a washing machine? That's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> or he's hoping to juice himself. 
I've got a tattoo of Elmer Fudd on a juicer, just nutting everywhere. It's a full Elmer Fudd's back trying piece. To, Elmer Fudd's trying to juice his peach. <laughs> I don't want to think about Elmer Rigging Fudd Rigging up a juicer nutting. with a dildo. Like, Shh. <laughs> I'm hunting the male G-spot. <laughs> be, be very, very quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pulling, pulling oh, off the sign that says, that. <laughs> pulling, pulling away the sign that says hunting season with his face on to reveal a second poster on the tree that says hunting season with his ass on. Oh, yeah. That is quite good, actually. Nice. Elmer Fudd on Grinder. <laughs> there we go. That's, That's a good little point. screen name for someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to mm. use that in your, in your own life? Uh, in the, Elmer Chud, not really related, but that would probably work. Um. Yeah, we get some physical comedy because Jerry like breaks the answering machine to stop it playing. He could have just pressed stop. I like this bit because mm. it always makes me think of whenever I, uh, whenever I get a voice note off you, I always say, "Is this safe to play?" Yeah, and I'm and I'm always like, "In front of who?" I don't think yeah. anywhere, any of the people who are subject to the voice note are going to be there. That's a big question. Yeah, but like we're usually complaining about people from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. But it's still, it's still, I think, a good question to ask. And none of my voice notes are truly safe to play. No, that's true. I mean, like, I even if you're I alone, I wouldn't play them to like my mum. No. Yeah, you wouldn't route them through the orcs of a car. <laughs> no. <laughs> For all sorts of reasons. I wouldn't like. Yeah. I wouldn't like kick someone out of the way at a party and be like, right, okay, you need to listen Grabbing to the this. <laughs> It's but my yeah. turn. You could do like a three-hour mega mix of Phoebe's voice notes, and you'd only need about six or seven of them. That's right. Um, you can have them on your old iPod. Yeah, there you <laughs> yeah, go. You, that would be yeah, ideal. Good. I'm a yeah. wordy gal. Yeah. There was that story about Avicii being paid a million dollars to play the opening of a super club in uh, Sydney, and he showed up with just an iPhone and just plugged it into the aux cable. Oh, that's king shit. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, and just like Avicii is like, I know this isn't a real job. Like you guys are laboring under the illusion that it's a real job, but don't worry, I'm not. It's all good. Um, That's what I love about whenever anyone's just like, oh yeah. So I went to see this like DJ or whatever, like play, like playing this set, and it was the most amazing thing in the world. Like and, and like, and then they sort of tell you that they kind of paid like sixty seventy quid to go and see someone looking like puzzled behind a desk, and I'm just like, no, no, I don't have any respect for that or for you. Every DJ is like, what are all these buttons just do? Looking, they're just, just standing at they're just standing at a desk like a priest. Yeah. yeah, I would like them to say under their breath what they're doing, so I can yeah. kind of go and see how much there is to it. Bit yeah, louder. Yeah, there's finding, nothing to it. They're just putting going it, on like, Spotify and finding their own music. Then being like, okay, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I appreciate that probably like blending one track into another is probably like something which they do but I, it doesn't look very hard mm. please don't please don't contact us just yeah. to tell us that actually it's very very difficult and being a techno dj or whatever is like yeah. is really really hard look, and like have you ever tried bringing this podcast back odd. to the point yeah come back to me when you've done that yeah so <laughs> that's know, right pal all right yeah um uh this the girl gets very annoyed about dx1 Jerry's... or tony harrison as the case may be yeah, that's his real name. 
um, uh, yeah, about this Elmer Fudd comparison. Then Jerry's like, Elmer Fudd, one of the most beloved cartoon characters of all time. Add a juicer. Very, very healthy. <laughs> um, I did enjoy that. That was good. Um, we then cut to Jerry and George who are arguing about the message in person. And, uh, and then Jerry's like, I'm a comedian. I can't go out with a woman who's got a bad laugh. It's like Coco Chanel going out with a fishmonger. You know, because fish smells bad and she makes perfume. Then this starts a kind of like running bit in the episode, which is Jerry making jokes that aren't very funny and having to and having to like explain them in the aftermath, which I which I like. Mm. Yeah, there's like a kind of un, there's like a kind of D plot that he's feeling a bit off his game. Yeah, mm. yeah, and like and like part of that is presumably that like they're writing this pilot, and he's like he's worried about like worried for the first time in his professional life about his ability for something. I think it's I think it's very subtle. It's a little bit of storytelling. What's yeah. the deal with Kramer's hair? That's just his hair. But it looks it's in like it's in like rows, like a sort of a like a Persian king. <laughs> <laughs> it is sort, sort of, of tiered, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it has it has sort of walls to it almost and it it looks so He looks like he's wearing an Alice band, but he's not. He looks like he's wearing kind of three Alice bands that kind of w- wave into each other. Maybe he's, maybe, we, maybe he's done like finger waving or like marcelling. But do you think that like we were never supposed to see the kind of definition of all the little hair clips or whatever was in there because it was 90s TV resolution and they just wanted him to have hair that was up. And they were just like, well, just maybe. put make it up there. Oh. We can't make it TVA up. glue you like a Camden punk make every episode. <laughs> I am um, I'm now envisaging there's definitely going to be a viral tweet by like a teenage girl who's never seen Seinfeld, which is just a closely cropped picture of Kramer's hair where you can't see his face. And it'll just say like men with hair like this have life ruiningly good dick. <laughs> yeah. And then there'll be a whole discourse about it. And there'll be a whole secondary discourse about how no one even knows this is the guy from Seinfeld. No, the secondary discourse would be uh, that would be that the hair is problematic in some way. Oh yeah, but then the backlash to that would be ten percent bigger than the initial lash. Yeah, mm. of course. Yeah, I'm just thinking about his hair now. I don't think I've ever referring thought about to an initial detail. lash preceding the backlash. That yeah. makes it sound like the backlash is something that happens after you go out on the piss. Oh, it is. It is. That's the hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Hangover is nature's backlash. And the consequences, mm. yeah. Mm. Consequences of the lash. A meditation on colonialism. All I can think about now is just like it's just like Kramer sort of standing proudly at the kind of gates of Nineveh, just like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like two kind mm. of like a, a Kramer kind of bull feet. A Kramer audiobook of um the Epic of Gilgamesh. I'd listen to mm. that. To but, be but fair, us- Gil- like Gilgamesh has got some Cremarian Mesopotamia. Aspects. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm between some rivers. <laughs> oh, this crescent's fertile, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> you see that Milky Way, Jerry? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, is good. This Newman. Is- got some Gilgamesh. Got some Gilgamesh riffs. You going. see that Milky Way, Jerry? Oh no, don't do a Newman Milky Way. Yeah. Um. At this point, they then discuss the uh, the fact that Susan doesn't like Kramer, that they can't bring Kramer on the weekend away. Yeah, and they're saying like, don't even mention it to Kramer because he'll get offended. And then, um, and then Kramer comes in talking in an Irish accent for some reason. Um, is, he yep. talking, 
Is he? Yeah, he's doing like top of the morning to you. So it is like he d- he does some like Irish catchphrases. Yeah. He, 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 I don't know what that's about. It's never addressed and it's not relevant. Yeah, I thought that was going to be like a thing for the rest of the episode, but no, it's a throwaway. Maybe you're not supposed to hear it. <laughs> he was maybe just sneaking like kind, that in. Yeah, maybe it's like a kind of maybe it's like a kind of test of like kind of how close you are to the spirit world. If you hear maybe. if you hear Kramer's Irish accent, then uh, then you can probably see ghosts. Like the banshees cry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Kramer's yeah. Irish accent is the Banshee's cry. And if you hear it, then bad news, my friend. Yeah. You're bereaved by midnight. Yeah. I hate to get bereaved by I hate midnight. hate to get bereaved by midnight. It's the worst time to get bereaved. Because <laughs> yeah. I've got this man coming after midnight. And I'm probably not going to be in the mood. I've just been bereaved. Oh, for Christ's sake. And I, and I asked for him repeatedly. So it's going to be very embarrassing if he shows up <laughs> and I'm not ready to go. You know, Abba have got a new album coming out. No. Yeah. And they all Abba hate each other. On the train. Well, Is it the noise of their bones hitting coffin wood? <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's taken 40 years to do it, because yeah. uh, they refuse to be in the same room. But it's okay. a classic disco beat made from the bones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be pop. fun. Like, like yeah. the gl- glam Zimmer frames, you know? I have to yeah. say, actually, the women from Abba are still looking good. The men never looked good. So okay. I presume they're not looking good now. Isn't one of Abba's like parents like Nazis? I'm pretty sure one of them. Classic nepotism. Classic nepotism. Just because your father was a Nazi, you get to be in a maybe Swedish I'm th- maybe, pop maybe, group. Maybe I'm thinking about someone else. I might be thinking about someone else. Like I don't think like I don't think she is sort of supportive of her Nazi family. I mean, I'm pretty sure that like. If we want to get into it, the, the 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 differing levels of neutrality in the entire Swedish establishment are. Um, yeah, I mean, they're. Hmm. Yeah. Benny, Bjorn, and Agneta Hitler. Wow, that's, <laughs> that one really <laughs> slipped through the net. Um, <laughs> you know who is looking phenomenal, though, is the members of AHA. Okay. Are they? Oh, just two ridiculously good-looking men. Uh, my mum was recently watching a documentary about like '80s pop music and like what some of the talking heads they had on were the guys from Aha, who were just like, "Oh yeah, we remember the '80s for sure." And uh, and they're just both like fucking chisel jawline silver fox types now, like grey stubble, like piercing blue eyes. Like I'm, like, I'm looking Damn, this up. I'm not gonna look like that when I'm sixty. That's not. That's All not right. gonna be me. I'm looking want this up to as see well. this now. Yeah. What's the guy called? I've seen one of them from 2017, and you're right. It's pretty impressive <laughs> stuff. He's just got a load of images of the word <laughs> aha. <laughs> I have, I have. This the word aha looking pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> looking much the same as it always has. Right. You, you, you carry on. I'm going to find this picture. Okay. They do look good. Sorry, his name is Paul Vactar Savoy. Now that's a name. Yeah, the inventor and of the hotel. Magne Furaholman and Morton Harkett. These One of them looks a names. lot like um, Harrison Ford. Mm. Okay. Paul, oh, yeah. Paul Wachtar Savoy, Savoy doesn't look great. Oh, he does look a lot like Harrison That's Ford. That's basically Harrison yeah. Ford. Norwegian yeah. Harrison Ford. Harrison Fjord. There yes, it was there. Ayo. There we go. It was there the whole time. We just had Chuck to an extra there. S in Harrison and call it a day. Oh, so that's Morton Harkett. Mm. Yeah. No, Morton, Morton Harkett. Harkett. Sounds Morton like a... Market. <laughs> Morton Harkett sounds like a bad British pop band from the sixties. Like Procol Harum. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like my mum oh, would be yeah. like, Oh, I remember seeing Morton Harkett at the, the Hackney Empire. Um they were they had that hit, everyone clap at six. 
<laughs> it sounds like um, a place in Midsummer Murders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's the one who's bought that new cottage down in Morton Harkett. Mm. <laughs> mm. A murder every week in Morton Harkett. I do think it's funny when they, on Wikipedia, when they want to describe that, they want to indicate that a pop star is still alive. And so they say years active, like someone is like, someone like pressed a button. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still active, baby. Yeah. Still well, active. Well, they're active. Still alive. Yeah. Anyway. Active since. Kramer announces that he's managed to get a round of golf at this fancy golf course out of town because he talked to the golf pro at this golf shop in town and gave him a cigar. And the guy said, whenever you give me one of these cigars, you can have a trip to this fancy golf club. Yeah. And they're like, Annie from Abba, her father was a sergeant in the Wehrmacht. Okay. Well, that just means he was German. Was he yeah. German? Yeah. I mean, at a certain, I mean, basically, if you're a German man of fighting age, you basically had to be in the Wehrmacht, right? Yeah. But that's, I mean, it's still not ideal. It's not well, ideal. It's a bit late to go back and, or is it? Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on a minute. We've built this time machine. Hang on a minute. Mm. Oh, she had no. She had. I think she had no connection with him. I don't think. <laughs> oh well, it's <laughs> no connection. Well, we can't. Uh, you know, she's uh, she's made her peace with it. Um, what anyway. is behind Americans' excitement about private golf clubs? Is it because they were so incredibly exclusive and racist, um, and especially mm. in a lot of. Do you think this is a thing about like how they? I know that they famously wouldn't even let like Jewish people become members mm. and stuff. And do you also, think that has a legacy here in this episode? Also, private golf club. I don't really understand what they mean by that in the sense of like, what is there like? Are there like publicly owned golf clubs in America? Yeah, like there the, are public the golf federal courses. golf course you can there go to. There are public golf courses, um, which in a later episode Kramer starts making a fuss about having to go back to the public course because he wants ah. to go to the he wants to go to the private course there are some public ones in the UK yeah oh, are there yeah. yeah 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 it's a bit like the golf equivalent of when you get those weird sort of gyms and parks yeah oh a bit like that one on is it on the meadows in Edinburgh that's like a weird so if you're like walking across there you just might die exactly hmm. yeah mm. that's yeah, that's it. Let's just have a golf course in this park where people walk dogs and things like where that. Where the ordinary people can finally play golf. Mm. And occasionally kill each other. There's a golf course on Alexandra Palace. Well, actually. on the roof. No, like in the... In crazy golf. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. We're off, we're off track here. We're off, we're we're off track on to golf. About golf. And then, I, right. yeah, I don't know, why, I don't know why, that, why it's like such a sort of specific kind of on about the mm. private golf course. I think it's just supposed to be because he really likes golf and it's supposed to be a nicer place to play. Yeah. I do and know that Cuban cigars, illegal. Yeah. yeah. Cigars. I do know that golf courses are insane because uh my my dad's old business partner and his brother were members of this really fancy golf course in Scotland because their family was like local to the area. And uh, Prince Andrew went up there. Now, bear in mind, this is back in the 90s and wanted to play at the golf course. And they wouldn't let him play at the golf course, despite the fact that he was Prince Andrew. And so he had to talk my dad's friend's brother, who was an admiral in the Navy and therefore knew Prince Andrew, into like taking him as his guest. Hmm. And that was so insane to me that they're like, this man is literally a prince. And they're like... Not posh enough, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, no, no. You think being a prince? Look at you. you know the number of princes we have show up here? <laughs> if we, we let, let every visiting in. prince in. Yeah. We'd be full of princes. We'd be all prince. Maybe they just didn't recognize him. Mm. Yeah. He thought he was lying. Yeah. yeah. 
I would. We didn't care very much for Purple Rain here at this golf course. <laughs> <so you> can... <laughs> Prince is short for Prince Andrew. Right. Uh, Jerry and George announced that they're going to the country. And then, and then Kramer's like, oh, is there any golf up there? They're like, oh, no, no, no golf. It's pie country. It's all pies. And they start listing different kinds of pies, which I also enjoyed. Yeah. There's less to talk about when the Seinfeld jokes are good. It's just, you yeah, know. It's just, yeah, it's just, you, you can repeat the jokes and just good go, one, that, Larry bit David. Good. that bit was good. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty, overall, a pretty solid episode, I thought. Yeah. Such a solid yeah. episode. Gotta hand it to you for that one, David, but you're gonna slip up eventually. And it's quite, it's quite a surreal episode mm. in a number of, a number of ways. Which yeah, it is odd. Um, so, uh, we then cut to Jerry's in the cafe with Elaine, asking her to come on this weekend with him. Um, uh, he says he had to give his dry cleaner an autograph and found it very awkward. Because um, he says he wrote some pun on the thing. Uh, I'm impressed. Ah, that was it. Yeah. But this is part of part of Jerry's sort of new shame, um, new shame and concern about his about his professional ability. Like he's like he's he's developed imposter syndrome. Yeah, he's doing like a flowers for Algernon thing where he's suddenly realizing that he's a hack. <laughs> and it's torturing him. Yeah. You mean all those people weren't laughing with me the whole time? Um. Yeah. In the next episode, you meet his pet mouse. Mm. Oh, really? No. <laughs> no. <And> then, <laughs> no. I was going to say it's a bit late for them to jump the shark with the pet mouse. <laughs> yeah. You meet his former bullies at the bakery where he used to work. Um. Anyway. Uh. Then him and Elaine are discussing the sleeping arrangements on this weekend away, and he's like, "Oh, well, same bed, uh, but a uh, shirt and t-shirt." And then she's like. Uh, pants and t-shirt and then she's like well what will I be wearing he's like oh you'll be naked of course and then we're like ah if only just thinking about a naked JLD from the 90s and just going into a sort of Proustian reverie um, uh, a delivery driver comes over and he says that his son has an immune disease where he has to live in a bubble um, and he's like you know he's living in a bubble I'm out here six days a week hauling Yoohoo I'm not sure what Yoohoo is I presume it's some kind of beverage it's like hey. a yo- is it like a yogurt drink hmm it does sound I, like Yazoo. I always assumed that Yoohoo was a fleet of trucks. Oh, no, it's the branding on the side, isn't it? Like, Yeah, because he says he's hauling Yoohoo, which implies oh, that Yoohoo I, is I, the contents of I the I always truck. heard it as hauling for Yoohoo, like 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 Eddie Stobart or whatever. Wait, no, oh, no, it's, 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 a, it's chocolate milk. There you go. Oh, okay. Oh, what? Mm. Like, like Yazoo? Yeah, well, mm. as of 2019, the drink is primarily made from water, high fructose corn syrup, and whey. Mm. So, yeah, that sounds horrible. Yum yum. Mm. Yum 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 yeah. yum. Just a whole bottle Nutritious. of that noise British people make when you drop something. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, then they're talking about watching the TV with their son who's in the bubble, and then he's like, "Well, who has the remote?" And they're like, "Oh, he has the remote." And they're like, "So you have no control over the remote?" They're like, "Yeah, it's pretty frustrating." Yeah. Um, and then the guy's saying, "But you're his favorite comic." He's like, the other night he laughed so hard we had to give him an extra shot of hemoglobin, <laughs> which I enjoyed. That's good. Also, I thought that the truck driver explaining the whole setup, they'd written it like um, when people explain things in like old-fashioned jokes. Yeah. No, but I know like what it, you mean. But he was in that kind of rhetorical, and here I am by the sweat of my brow. You know, it's that kind of way that people don't talk naturally, but it's almost like they're mm. filming the setup to a joke, like a like a pub joke, a bar, a bar joke. Mm. I quite yeah. liked it. It was like a a sort of stylistic acknowledgement of what they were up to. <laughs> yeah, which is basically what this is. Um, yeah, and then he says that his son's birthday is tomorrow. 
Uh, and then he's like, he wants Jerry to come. Elaine gets him to agree to it. And he's like, oh, where do you live? Like up, up the west side or something? He's like, no, upstate. And he's like, oh, upstate. Um, and uh, then we cut to Jerry talking to George and Susan. And he's like, he's a bubble boy. He lives in a bubble. He lives in a bubble. And they discover that actually where the boy lives is on the way to the cabin. So it's all good. They'll just go on the way. Uh, Kramer comes in in full like comedy golf gear, like checkered trousers and so on. Yeah. Um, and I don't think this is comedy golf gear. I think this is serious golf gear. What, looking like Rupert the Bear? Yeah. I'm willing to believe that that's real golf gear. Yeah. Oh, I think it's real golf gear, but it's kind of like a sort of parody of what a golfer would dress no, like. No, I don't think so. I think this is someone whose golfing is taken very, very seriously, and uh, we should treat it with the seriousness that it warrants. <laughs> What I what I love about golf is that other than saying that it's a sport, it has no pretenses to being a sport. It's like, well, you dress like you're going to a business meeting, and um, you basically drink the whole way around, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like a a business meeting in the in sort of if you're a, bus- a business, the bear. yeah. Well, yeah, a business meeting in <laughs> Edinburgh in eighteen ten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, much like how an Eaton Fives court has like a flying buttress in it as like a frozen thing of how it was. Similarly, like golf has like the uniform is frozen from one particular business meeting in Edinburgh in 1810. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. actually have to have a 150 year old Scottish ghost as well. Yeah, otherwise, it doesn't count. Right. Otherwise, it's not a real game of golf. And it's difficult because every year you have to find a new ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's not really... that hard. Scotland is lousy with ghosts. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you wait 149 years just to be a golf ghost for one year, and then you're out on the scrap heap. <laughs> a shame. It is actually ageist, what we do to the golf ghosts. Um, Susan gets very annoyed about seeing Kramer, and then she's like, is that one of my cigars? No, they get my put down cigar? if they break the, if they break a leg. What, the Awful. golf ghosts? Yeah, they take them out the back and <laughs> shoot how them. How do you put down it, and they're completely fine? Well, like, you know you're you know you're getting older when you think that the golf ghost looks young. <laughs> <laughs> that golf ghost young enough to be my son. Yeah. Who the, I guy, <laughs> the guy who has to shoot the golf ghost being like, ah, oh, the worst thing is the way they scream, Why are you shooting me? I'm a ghost. It literally does nothing. Do it with this ghost is a waste bullet. of your time. Ghost bullets. Ghost bullets. What like a dead bullet that's haunting yeah. a gun. Okay. That's right. And that has an effect on ghosts. It does. Or does it have even less of an effect? No, it has has more of an effect. Because I feel like if you shot me with a ghost bullet, I'd be like, that was a loud noise. Yeah, but that's because you're not a ghost. I see. Right. Okay, fair play. I don't see what is is complicated about this, Milo. Um, Jerry and Elaine (laughs) are discussing George's relationship with Susan. And then Elaine's like, does he even like her? And Jerry's like, I'm not sure he likes her so much as it. Um, which is definitely a relationship I've been in. I was going to say that felt very relatable. Yeah. What I I I did he when he met, when he said it did he just mean banging? Yeah. Oh no, I assumed he meant like the 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 ambiance of the relationship because George clearly doesn't like the because every time she tries to be like remotely affectionate or sexual with him, George is freaked yeah. out. No, he doesn't like the he doesn't like the public displays of affection because that's too intimate. When it, they're in the car, he, he, there's no one else in the car with them. He means he, he means that he likes having sex with her. Oh, I thought it was like the fact that she's like fancy and he enjoyed like the lifestyle of going out. No, with her. that's not it at all. That's why he says it. Like it with a kind of I'm talking about sex on on a sitcom which went out at nine o'clock at night. I, I found that um 
yeah, I found it difficult to figure out what he meant because I was sort of, I found it more rude to kind of cuttingly refer to, I thought it was just, I was like, what are the odds that he's cuttingly referring to that woman he knows as vagina as it? <laughs> <laughs> as this like thing that he can't even name. Yeah, the yeah, thing. I th- yeah, I think that's, I think that's what <laughs> you're supposed Stephen to Stephen King's vagina. The reason that he's like, he's trying to get her to get off him in the car is because he wants to make really good time in the car. And that is... At, the, at that at that moment, more important to him than 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 the sex. Yeah, because this is actually immediately we get the scene of George driving really crazily, and yeah. Jerry comments on it, and then we see him in the car fighting off a kiss, and he's like, "I'm like really good time." Which I don't. Cause the, this woman is hot. We can say this. It's it's just it's strange. George Costanza is the greatest mystery in the show Seinfeld. He's a mystery. He's an enigma wrapped in a riddle. That is is this what the mystery of his his relationships? No, just well, in as in just like George's attitude to almost anything. He's got this like hot woman who's trying to fuck him, and George is like, "No, no, no." It's very, it's odd. It's strange. I don't know. I think there. Are, I think I've met people like that where you just mm. look at them repeatedly, pearls before swine, and you just think, "Why? Yeah. What's come on? What's what's well? What's wrong with this now?" You know. I, think- I can think of at least like one of our friends who's a bit like this. I don't know who you're talking about, but I mean, it could be almost anyone. I like it the meaningful look, anyone. though. I also tried to interpret who it was, even though I have much less contextual yeah. information. Yeah. Well, I didn't know whether I should say it, and then you can beep it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a, <laughs> he is a bit like that. See, there you go. You've won him over now there that you've specific. Yeah. He's the George Costanza. Yeah. I was trying to think, because he's not someone who we discuss very often. Yeah, as, as, uh, like we often we talk about a lot of our friends' relationships. I'm going to beep all of this out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah. That, I think that's good. And we've got opinions wise. about all of them. Um, oh, the best bit is you know we had to beep out quite a lot of that libelous stuff that we said on one on the episode with Oscar. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, forgot to cut out a point at which we say somebody's name. Oh, but I went back and did it later. Oh, did you? Okay. But also, when in that context, it wasn't libelous because that would have only been very loosely implied. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't have been able to... Okay. Y- yeah, so it but was actually it fine. would mean that you'd be able to work back and work out who we were talking about. Yeah, if you were um, being Poirot about it, yeah. So, uh, hang on, where were we here? Yeah, so they, they lose George in the car. Uh, I also note here that George is driving Jerry's BMW from a few episodes ago. But it's supposed to be George's car. Mm, yeah, they don't. Or he's they, supposed to own, and Jerry's driving a different car. Yeah, they don't. They don't really deal with that. I, I, I think you're probably supposed to think that it's Susan's car, no? Maybe, but then why is George driving it? Because like you're going on a long trip. So George has got to drive the whole way. Yeah. Well, he would insist, wouldn't he, to make time? Yeah. First of all, he's going to insist because he wants to make time. We have seen on a number of occasions, uh, a number of occasions so far. George's opinions about mm. driving. He has like lots of lots of strong driving stances. Yeah. Strong parking stances, strong how fast you go stances. And also the rule is you're going on a long car journey and that if the man in a couple is capable of doing it, then he drives. I see. Um, yeah, I is this is this the 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 sort of trad wife yeah, approach that's right. I am, tra- I, I am trad. I am trad wife about road trips. Yeah. Phoebe's think, in the I back the beating the drive. children, <laughs> making sure they maintain a respectful silence yeah. while thinking about God. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the man and is we're, driving wearing a huge puff sleeve gingham dress. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but like a very sort of like buxom milkmaid thing yeah, going that's on. Right. It's like low cut. Yeah, yeah. Well, while, while while my partner drives. Yeah, 
You're, you're in the back cooking a four-course meal. Yeah. In the back of the car. I'm wearing and, my... Uh, and knitting. Charles Manson fucker fan dress. Charles Manson fucker fan dress. I, yeah. You just, you just said a combination <laughs> of words there, which is so eldritch. I don't think it's ever been uttered by another human being before. Um, Allegedly. Right. A fucker fan Charles Manson dress. Alleged by you. Alleged by me. now. Um, yeah, anyway, it transpires that Jerry and Elaine don't know the way because Jerry left the directions behind. So without catching up with... George By the way, Susan, like, okay, yes, it is George's fault for not driving at a reasonable pace that he can be followed. But it's mm. also Jerry's fault for not taking the directions. It's more Jerry's fault. Once you're mm. in the car, it's up to you to, it's up to, you to direct yourself. Got to take responsibility. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing that this episode is like classic horror films in the sense that it's full of problems solved by mobile phones. Yeah. Which is why, you know, in horror movies now, they always have to have a bit where someone looks at the sky and goes, I've got like one bar. (laughs) So that everyone sitting in the cinema, it doesn't fucking keep going on. Like, just ring him. Although having Mm. said that, like you go, like you drive through like quite a lot of like British countryside and you just suddenly out of nowhere have absolutely no signal. Yeah. So like, Mm. Even with a even with a phone, you could imagine that, like in upstate New York, you might not be able to. And also, like if someone's if someone's driving, like they're not going to pick up the phone. Like, what if Susan mm. doesn't hear it? But there's also GPS and and yeah. yes, I mean that's that's yeah. true. Susan doesn't hear it because they're absolutely blasting the Wu Tang Clan in George's yeah. car, which is part of his uh, driving style. We we do cut immediately to George saying, it's not my fault Seinfeld can't drive, <laughs> which I really enjoyed both in terms of sentiment and also f- suddenly calling him Seinfeld. Yeah. For some yes, I, that felt weird, didn't it? Yeah. Um, he does whenever he's mad at him. Yeah, but I did, I did enjoy that. I feel that way about a lot of people I know. Yeah. I'm like, well, if you can't drive, you shouldn't drive. Um... <sighs> Kramer answers the phone to Naomi in Jerry's apartment uh, and she is saying that she does want to go on the weekend after all and he's like, well, I'm actually Kramer but my golf game's been cancelled. I'm going to go up there now. And so they decide to go together. They're in the car. Kramer's smoking a cigar. She does the laugh. Kramer seems to enjoy the laugh. Yeah. But Kramer is insane. Kramer is a a man who relishes the realities of his everyday life. Yeah. He's a pure mm, Epicurean, a bon is Kramer. <laughs> yeah, he's more like a hedonist. I feel okay, like an fine. Epicurean a, yeah, would be okay. more reserved. Yeah, fine. Okay, he's a hedonist. But he's also been guarding the gates of Nineveh as a bull for the last like yeah. 5,000 years. So let him, you know, let him cut loose. Kramer does not exist in a state of ataraxia. K- K- Kramer's, Kramer's entire state is taraxia at all times. <laughs> he simply enjoys the chaos. He revels in it. That's right. He's, we're like a sort of a satyr or a... Yeah, kind of dry yeah. ad, a kind no, ex- of forest yeah, ex- figure. Exactly, he's no, he's mm. Pan. Yeah, Kramer yeah. is Pan. I can't believe we found the kind of puck figure in the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 that's absolutely right. Um, uh, George- so obviously, he's going to enjoy uh, enjoy an Elmer Fudd like laugh because it's part of the kind of the chaos of the woods. It's yeah. part of the Sylvan chaos. Of the Greek ho- chorus. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Elmer Fudd shooting Pan in the fucking just head. shooting kind of just <laughs> Elmer Fudd just shooting ropes have come. Oh yeah, through the forest. Yeah, you're about to be torn apart by the 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 bacchanal of of local women. Um, and then Elmer Fudd shows up and just starts shooting them with a musket. Uh, and then you like find Terminator. Yeah. yeah. 
how Come the back I originally ended. <laughs> I, couldn't really, I couldn't really do a convincing Elmer Fudd. Oh, was that supposed to be Elmer Fudd? That was still Newman to me. Come with me, Jerry, <laughs> if you want to live, Jerry. Um, yeah, okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, right, G- George and Susan are at the Bubble Boy's house and uh, she tries to bite his ear as he's like, like outside the door and he like fights it off again i'd let this woman bite my ear george i don't understand what your problem is um i've just written in my notes this woman is wasted on him this <laughs> woman this from 1992 this, but this call is me. something that has that comes that has come up before about how i think this mm. is one of the about the susan arc is one of the darker storylines in Seinfeld, which you will come to see mm. And then George says, I can't go in there. I can't face the bubble boy. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was very funny. Like. Yeah. Very funny. <laughs> I would feel a bit that way. It's like my grandmother died two months early because I went to visit. <laughs> I just walked in. She just died straight away. Um, no, what he says is that his grandmother died because of the way he reacted in the hospital. It's like that, yeah. is, that is such a kind of, there's such a sort of rich background narrative there, isn't there? Yeah, because you were already oversensitive in your reaction and the consequences could only have made that worse. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so then we get Jerry and Elaine. Jerry's saying the whole weekend's ruined. And then and then Elaine's like, your weekend's ruined. What about the bubble boy? Um, they're at a diner. Elaine wants water. He's like, you can't just have water. This is a business. Uh, and then the waitress wants his autograph. And Jerry tells a lie that he doesn't have any more photos to sign. And Elaine's like, yeah, he does. They're in the trunk. Um, I I agreed with Jerry's water stance. Yeah, I think you can have water. I think water is acceptable if you're ordering something that you're paying for. If you're yeah, ordering you like food, you can't or... go into a roadside diner and just have water, like especially not in a country where coffee is like a nickel or whatever. Okay, yeah, mm. fine. It's not like they're going into a fucking Michelin-starred restaurant and they need to use the toilet. They're in a scuzzy <laughs> diner, and a cheeseburger is probably a buck. Yeah. Come on. You know. Okay, yeah, fine. Fair enough. I might start going into Michelin star restaurants just to use the toilet. They can't stop <laughs> you. Legally, they cannot stop you. Yeah. Taking the urinal cakes out and putting them on people's plates and claiming it's a reduction of some kind. If you're pregnant, you actually have the legal right to piss in a Michelin star chef's hat. <laughs> <laughs> and it strains it beautifully. It's delicious, yeah. Mm, that is nice. Pissing in a big sieve and they're like tapping your piss through with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, it really aerates the piss. They kind of they? they bring the pregnant woman out just just like at the last minute just to like piss all over your plate. Yeah, I went for a piss in a Michelin star restaurant. Little did I know they turned it into a sort of foam that they've been using on dishes <laughs> for months. Yeah, it's 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 sobering to think how much people would pay in real life for what we're describing. Yeah, the estrogen yeah. in a pregnant woman's piss actually perfectly sets off a uh, a lobster beak. <laughs> yuck. yuck! 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 Not the not the not the first time we have discussed pregnant women pissing in hats on yeah, this podcast. First time. It's not even the second time. I think it's like the third time. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the mother of the bubble boy is explaining the bubble boy, Mrs. Situation. Bubble, Mrs. Bubble. Yeah. Um. Uh. To George and Susan. Uh. And then the bubble boy is like shouting down abuse at his mother from upstairs. <laughs> I didn't realize that he was like walled into a room. I assumed he was in some sort of like a zorb, you know. Yeah, I think you're supposed. I think you're supposed to like sort of have a kind of mental picture of what the bubble might be like, and so then you never actually see it. Yeah. Well, they say eventually that it's like cheating, really. Yeah. 
And then mm. what like an I just unlock. like is it's such a funny reveal that the bubble boy is like 19. Yeah. Yeah. And that he's also like an absolute jerk. That he's just yeah, like a complete mm. piece of shit. You're imagining, yeah, like a sort of the nicest 11-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas the idea that he's just this like incredibly imposing kind of wretched, basically a man. Yeah. Mm. Is, yeah. is such a funny, so horrible. It, yeah, no, no, no it's horrible. Like, who, like whoever came up with the, like, the concept of the Bubble Boy is, is a sort of, is a villainous genius, I think. Mm. But it's like a classic bit, like you, like what I like about the show is that you can reverse engineer everything into a Seinfeldian observation. Like, mm. like you know, you got to meet this boy. It's not a boy, that's a man. You know, you can <laughs> just, what if it wasn't even a boy? This is not a boy. When is a boy a boy? And you can just do this whole thing. You can see the threads of him and Larry David running through it. It's just, you know, it's there are just certain a- illnesses where when you have them when you're a kid, it's cute, and when you're older, no one cares. Yeah, that's yeah. good. No it's one's true. Interested. Like an adult with chicken pox, you're a bit like, come on. Why is you? Why do you, as what a grown are you, man, have you got to put pox. chicken on everything? <laughs> <laughs> what was wrong with the pox? Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's I want right. to know. <laughs> that is right. Yeah. Um, so. Maybe he just maybe he's he's still a bubble boy because he's never had his bubble bar mitzvah. Ah, there you go. His bubble mitzvah. There you go. I mean, it's not it's not good, but we'll take it. Um, <laughs> it's good. Elaine comes I'm, back with I, a picture. I'm happy with it. And Jerry signs it, and he writes, "There's nothing finer than being in your diner," which the woman thinks is very funny, and I actually think is a funny thing to write on an autograph because it reads like a sarcastic. Yeah, it does. Like. What the fuck are you supposed to write on this? Also, an interjection here is that mm. Elaine has quite a cackle, actually. Mm. It's not an annoying cackle, but she definitely like like she definitely has a Julia Louis Dreyfus can do what she cackle. fucking wants, okay? I've I've got a I've got a bit of the old misophonia and her double rows of teeth clack clack gum chewing in this scene really really set it off oh really really unpleasant for me okay. yeah ah. i don't like i don't like open mouth gum chewing at the best of time but when yeah. you can kind of see the entire top and bottom row of teeth when someone's doing it yeah, i find can't, that can't be doing with it it's like it look, it's like seeing a skeleton now. eat gum <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last thing you want to see <laughs> no because it's what a confident skeleton what does he know yeah um when you're but at like the those- Shining House and you see a, gu- a skeleton eating gum, my God, you're exposed to more than five minutes of this kind of spook. Yeah, I just think oh. I don't think you're supposed to see someone every single one of someone's teeth at once. Mm. Yeah, that is true. That's yeah, why we don't trust dentists true. on this show. Uh, what? We've talked about this before that we don't trust dentists. Yeah, that's true. Don't trust dentists. Yeah. Or architects. No, or architects. It's more that architects have got ideas or about paramedic. their station. Yeah, paramedics are going to steal your stuff while you're unconscious. That's the thing about that. What, a dentist? You don't. You can't stop him from taking your teeth out. No, it's true. What if he takes the wrong one? What if he takes one out just for fun? What if some of the... Kicks. What if some of the teeth are like little families and the husband is like, no, don't take her, take me instead, and the dentist is swayed by that? That's really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really distressed by that. I know she's rotten, but she's just a kid. <laughs> For God's sake, man. Have you no decency? No, I hate that. And he I doesn't because he's a dentist. <laughs> no. no. But he is vulnerable to bribery. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So, um, uh, then basically Jerry tries to get the picture back 
He's like, I'll write you. He's like, I'll mail you another one with a with something funnier on it. And she's like, Well, I'll mail you this one when you mail me the other one. Um, we then cut to the boy who's yelling, "Where's Seinfeld?" And he's got like a kind of like Brooklyn accent for some reason, even though they live in upstate New York. Yeah. Also, the waitress when she says, "Don't I know you? Aren't you famous?" and he says, "Yeah," and Elaine says, "He's Jerry Seinfeld." She says, "That's right, Gary Seinfeld." I thought was good. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, you, uh, yeah. Can relate to that. As as two men with strange names. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, why why exactly he has like a Brooklyn Guido voice is is unclear. Um, then uh, he goes to George. What's wrong? You never seen a kid in a bubble before? And then Jerry's. And then George is like, Yeah, I've seen I've seen kids in a bubble. My cousin's in a bubble actually. He's like, I got lots of bubble experience. <laughs> My cousin's in a bubble is is fun, um, and then uh, and then he shouts at Susan. How about you? How about taking your top off? And then and then the, also the guy's name is Donald, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah, and the more more evidence that the the boy in the bubble is not just angry and resentful because of his terrible condition. He's mm. an actively offensive bad man. Mm. Yeah, it's not a name for a child, Donald. No, certainly not in that era. Um, and so then, um, yeah, then they, they agree to play Trivial Pursuit with him, which is apparently his, like, favorite thing, uh, which, again, is, like, such a weird detail. <laughs> it's just so extremely specific. <laughs> like, he's, he lives in this, like, hermetically sealed bubble, and also he loves Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> it's a sign that it's so heavily pre-internet. And, 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 tits, and yeah. tits as well. And yeah. tits. I mean, that, that like, to honestly, be fair, I find the Bubble Boy terribly relatable. These are all things that I <laughs> like. <laughs> tits being I, hermetically sealed. I like being, I like being hermetically sealed, and I like yelling at people who try to visit me in my hermetic seal. Yeah. yeah. Get me Seinfeld. And I'd like to see. I'd like to see Susan's tits. He's <laughs> yeah. only human. I actually, I'll Red second. Red blood that. runs in his bubble veins. I would, I would like to see Susan's tits, but in a more polite way, which. You know, makes her feel comfortable. Um, uh, Jer- we thank still- you for your allyship. Yeah, yeah, Jerry's still trying to get the picture. Uh, sort of argument ensues during which Elaine is just eating chicken and saying, "This is really good chicken." Yeah, he's Jerry. Prank ordered her a whole roast chicken, which because they're Americans, mm. they're called broiled. Yeah, they love. And it. she's Broil- just eating it. Broiled is such a horrible because I think I think it just means grilled. Yeah, just roast or grill yeah, 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 in yeah. an oven. Like, mm. but what, what what is wrong with them that they have you to have come to up with the, the word broiled? On. It's it makes it sound so horrible. It sounds like kind of oh, like no, a particularly boiled, disgusting kind of boiling. Yeah. A new yeah. perverse kind of cookie. Yeah, Broil. boiled but in piss. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Boil in the bra. Boil in the bra. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, we then cut to uh, George, who's playing Trivial Pursuit against this man, and he's, and he's about to lose, and then he's like, who uh, invaded Spain in the 8th century? And the, the kid's like, it's the Moors. And he's like, no, I'm afraid the correct answer is the moops. He's like, let me see that card. And he's like, yeah, the moops. And he's like, that's Susan, a misprint. It's Susan's obviously face acting in this scene is absolutely, just, it's yeah. absolutely spot on. Because um, she's like she, she she looks like she's um, like she's feeling really she's feeling really worried because she knows that the game she knows that the game is over and then as soon as George says oh no 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 she's she sort of like she like peers at the card to see what it says and it's just it's just it's just lovely yeah and I, this yeah I just laughed so much at 
the repetition of the word moops. <laughs> it's, it's really moops. funny to me. Yeah, him yelling moors and George yelling moops back at moops. him. Moops. <laughs> moors. Moops. Moops. It's moops. Yeah. There are no moops. It's moors. There are no moops. There are no moops. Yeah, there are no moops. Uh, we then get Kramer and Naomi at the cabin. No one's home. Kramer breaks in, knocks everything over. Uh, and then we cut to uh, also, the at boy. This, at, at this point, Naomi seems to be completely chill with the idea that she's now just fucking Kramer. Yeah, like, they, have, they have a real zing. They're basically going to go skinny dipping and fuck in a lake. Yeah. Mm. And then we That's really hot. see like like a, like a forest spirit, Kramer yeah, kind of prancing through absolutely. the woods. Yeah, prancing yeah. through he the woods. Pan. What? Uh, there's a Dionysus. There's the there's a bit in a previous episode when he says about how when he stops wearing underwear and he's like a naked innocent boy roaming the countryside. There's a whole thing with him and that girl listening to like African tribal music yeah. and fucking and like doing like yeah, weird yeah. body paint stuff. Yeah. Kramer is Kramer is pan. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to the boy is now strangling George, but with the arms they have like as like uh, in like a science lab to like yeah, this time like, coming out of the hermetically sealed. They're like Danger Will Robinson arms, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I thought was a very good bit. Just like strangling a man like through a like George just move away from the wall. Yeah, and he's just choking out the word moops still. Mm, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the bubble punctures, and everyone's like, ah. just goes, "Yeah!" And then we cut to uh, the waitress, who's now strangling Jerry. And then someone comes in and goes, "Someone, the bubble boy's in hospital. Some bald guy from the city tried to strangle him." And then, like, everyone's like, "Who would hurt the bubble boy? Let's get him." Um, and then this leads yeah. Jerry and Elaine to the bubble boy's house. Uh, we cut to Kramer and Naomi, who are going skinny dipping. Kramer leaves his cigar on a pile of newspapers. He smacks her on the butt with a towel as well, and she loves mm. it. Mm-hmm. She absolutely loves it. Naomi's filthy. I do hear that about women? Um, <laughs> always ask first. But you know, you got it. You got a better than fifty percent chance, I'd say. Um, uh, George is like the bubble boy tried to kill me, and then he's like yelling moops at the boy as he's wheeled out, and then uh, and then the guy's like, "Thanks for showing up, Seinfeld." I like the idea of being ungrateful at this man you do not know who you've asked <laughs> to show up for like showing up slightly late. I think it's a it's very it's very prescient. It's a mm. real kind of it's a real sort of parasocial entitlement that he has. Yeah. Yeah, this whole episode is like a like a harbinger of social media. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's like a comedy version of misery. <clears throat> Even the metaphor of the the diner now owns your picture. Yeah. And he says, I want it back. I regret what I wrote on it. So it's too late. It's in the internet now. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld getting cancelled for something a bit untoward. He wrote on a picture at a diner in the early (laughs) 90s. Going back over it. Um, Yeah. And so then uh, they're all on the motorway driving to the cabin. They get overtaken by a fire engine only to discover that it's their cabin that's on fire. Uh, And then as they're all stood there in shock, George says to Susan, you never gave me back that change from the toll. Classic. They just got a Brinker Costanza back. Just remind you, he's still George Costanza. Kramer and Naomi show up, and then Jerry's like, what are you doing here? Wait, you didn't. And then he's like, my Cubans. Um, Yeah. And then we close with a bit where Jerry's doing a bit about fire. (laughs) What is the deal with fire? What is the deal with fire? It's always burning stuff down. I think that fire bit made it into that special I mentioned. Oh, really? Oh, really? I think think that bit made it. Yeah, I think it's a real bit. what? Seinfeld category of bit is this because I feel like this is maybe um, 
a, a rarer category of bit of bit in the Jerry taxonomy, where which is mm. the kind of the childlike wonderment. Category. Yeah, I think. Mm. I think it's a subset of a larger bit about how if you're there's a lot of conversations where you want to be smoking <laughs> and yeah. he doesn't smoke and he's always like it immediately just puts them above you. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, I think he sort of goes into an analysis of that if 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 I'm remembering it right. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, he sa- yeah, he says like uh the reason that smoking looks cool is because it looks because it looks like they're saying look I can control fire. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess. It's, like, it's very intimidating. Like this, they've got this fire right next to my head, and I'm not remotely worried about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange episode of childlike wonderment, but it is um it is like because every so often one of his one of his bits is like um an alien trying to trying to kind of keep a logbook on humanity, like in Third mm. Rock from the Sun. Yeah, an alien who's been sent to find out what the deal is with yeah. all, all kinds of yeah. things on Earth. It's from a very inquisitive planet. Seinfeld, you must go and find out what sort of sustenance they enjoy on board their conveyances <laughs> and what the deal is with it. <laughs> How easy are the packages of sustenance to open? Yeah. Seinfeld, you must bring us back this information. We would like to know how a white man drives <laughs> compared to his counterpart. <laughs> <laughs> that I remember that book, The White Man's Counterpart. Um, uh, yeah, and it does. It, it ends with a funny with a, with a funny close. I thought it was a decent joke. Where he's like, "This is why a cigar's more of a flex because, like, the you know, you got the fire on one end, then you'd be like, yeah, you think that's scary? You look at the wet, disgusting nub <laughs> at the other end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a good slam at a, a yeah, correct. and it's a, and it's a good and it's a good companion piece to him calling George's um, index fingers disgusting in the prior episode. Mm. There you go. There you mm. go. There you go. And that was. That episode of Seinfeld, that the, was bubble the Bubble Boy. That, w- bubble that boy. was the Bubble Boy. Did you know that there was a film called The Bubble Boy with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in it? Yes, I think. In fact, we discussed this recently. Oh, have we? Okay, maybe <laughs> not on the Paulie podcast. Shaw in it? Oh, yeah, yeah I think done. It did. It's like it's from like, like it's from like twenty years ago. It's about a man with no immune system who builds himself a kind of plastic zorb bubble in order to in order to have a relationship. To go around. Yeah, it's a kind mm. of. I think I think it's sort of a rom com. Yeah, yeah, because he goes. The reason why he was he was sealed in his bedroom, and then he builds the costume in order to go and visit a girl he's fallen in love with. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Paulie Shaw was in Biodome, nineteen ninety six. Stephen Baldwin, Kylie uh, Minogue, and huh. Jason Bloom. Now that's a fucking cast. Now that's right there. a cast and a half. So of its time as well. We should watch that for a movie corner. Biodome. Biodome. Write that down. Yeah, 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 we should always come back at some point and watch the film Biodo. Yes, please. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, well, and it remains. Also, it is the first time that Tenacious D performed together on screen. Oh, yeah. Biodome. I'm gonna hate that. Um, <laughs> oh, Tenacious D, are you an annoying guy who smokes weed from my sixth form college? Because oh, you'll think they're the funniest thing ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what music are you into? Oh, Tenacious D mostly. That and smoking joints. <laughs> yeah, the two kinds of activity that there are. Yeah, um, I think I'm just thinking of one guy. Um, <laughs> one specific guy. Anyway, um, it remains for us. I only thank Pierre very much for joining us. Thank you very much indeed. 
Thanks for having me, guys. I enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed watching the Bubble Boy episode. Which is high praise indeed. <laughs> Moderately. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> uh, some light chuckles were had, listener. Um, uh, Pierre, is there anything you'd like to plug to our loyal hogs? Uh, hello, hogs. Um, uh, hello, you yeah. swine. I do, I do a podcast myself with Phil Wang called Bud Pod that comes out every Wednesday morning. And at some point in the next few weeks, I'm going to be releasing an hour of stand-up onto YouTube that you can just watch for free mm. whenever you want. So. Keep an eye out for that. Excellent. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do keep an eye out for that. And uh, we will see you. Thank you very much for being a $5 Patreon subscriber, the ultimate, the platinum hogs. Mm. Uh, and uh, we have no further requests to make. No. Of you. None. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. If you're, in, if you're in uh, Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, or Nottingham in late November, you can come and see me on tour. There's dates on my website. There'll be a link in the description. Uh, yeah. yeah. All that. right. Wink it. That's pretty that. funny. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.